Have you been shadow banned by the liberal media? Free market got you down? Do you get ratioed on every Twitter post because of your shit takes on literally everything? Then producer Dave and HK are probably watching your three-hour dissertation on how a tomato cannot possibly be a fruit because gender and critical race theory can be cured with ivermectin. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Please leave it a one-star review on iTunes. Check out the rest of our schedule at ecoplexmedia.com. The liberals, not the conservatives, are the one who pound, pound, pound. Uh, not appropriate. Read it to the lyrics, so let the parties will quench your thirst. 
Hey everybody, welcome to The Plex. We do this show live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia, and we're uh, simulcasting some other places, but whatever. Uh, you can find this on any podcast app that you uh, find podcasts on, and if you'd like to support this project, uh, head on over to echoplexmedia.com, click the support tab, and uh, I don't know, pick your favorite way to uh, give us some money. This is what the people want. I don't hate the cops. Oh, there's a person inside when the truncheon stops Oh, donate the cops Oh, when the raiders come Who will protect the shops? Donate the cops They're a sensitive bunch If you don't stop throwing your rocks Snap, crackle, pop Is the sound of a taser Your body drops Donate the cops oh, Donate the cops Donate the cops oh, Donate the cops Like your local police Cause they don't do nothing wrong Like your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops We're going to start off tonight with uh, just one of these things that they haven't done it as much recently, or I haven't seen it uh, come across my feed as much recently. So they take like three people on one side of an issue and three people on another side of an issue and have them talk about why they believe what they believe. And this one is on whether or not people should get the COVID vaccine, because I always get my information, uh, my medical information from uh, just three random people uh, and then three other random people who disagree with them. That's how we should make all of our medical decisions. Everyone should get a COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. Come forward if you disagree. Shot the moon. <laughs> 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 
I don't think everybody should get it because people who are allergic to vaccines obviously shouldn't get the vaccine, but I feel like I can see how much COVID can affect family members. And I see like my grandma actually passed away with COVID. Um, she was in a nursing home, that's how she got it. And I feel like herd immunity, I think it, it could give us back to normal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think getting a vaccine is incredibly individual choice. So we all have our own medical history. We all have our own medical experiences, how we reacted to vaccines. That being said, I don't think at this point we're going to eradicate COVID-19 with a vaccine. But that doesn't mean that vaccine is not critically important. And the people who should be getting it, they should get the vaccine. I myself did get the vaccine. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's a one size fits all because again, everyone's body is so different that what might work for you might kill me and vice versa. And so for me, I feel like that's not a risk that I'm willing to take. I actually developed allergies due to vaccines as a kid and um, I would break out in hives. It would last you know, anywhere between three days to like two weeks. And the doctors throughout like 20 years of my life could never figure it out. It definitely does something to you <laughs> mentally when you go into an ER and you're in this desperate need for help. And they would just kind of look at me and go like, okay, well, we'll just give you Benadryl and you can go home. It wasn't until well, that's I the, that's if adult. it's just like hives. I mean, hives are uncomfortable, but yeah, like if you go into the emergency room and you just, you have hives. They're going to give you some Benadryl and send you on your way. I worked for several families as a babysitter, and they all happened to be physicians. And um, some of them talked to me about vaccine injuries. It, it clicked, you know, because the second that I started making my own medical decisions, that's when all of the side effects just kind of went away. That's unfortunate because you didn't get the care yeah. that you should have gotten. Like I didn't hear. Well, but I don't know if she didn't. I mean, if, if she had, again, hives are uncomfortable, but the, the treatment for it is like Benadryl and weight. Oh, about vaccine injury until I started really working in health care and, and public health. And I have friends who have autoimmune issues mm -hmm. and they have big allergic reactions to certain things. Yeah. And so they have a huge concern about, of course, this vaccine, yeah. COVID vaccine, because, you know, what could happen? The one thing I would ask you though, Erica, is because you have had family members that died. Yeah. So you would trust getting the disease versus the vaccine. The vaccine scares you that much that yeah. you would want rather get the... Like, let's say if you had COVID, like I would feel so much more comfortable shaking your hand and getting COVID through you and build the antibodies for it than I would to trust the vaccine. I remember the what? last episode I had, I was in my closet and this is when I knew it was really bad because my thoughts were getting really dark to where I um, visualized I myself think, cutting I think, off. I mean, I'm not, you know, qualified to diagnose anyone, but I'm not sure that her issue is uh, vaccine um, allergies. Each hive. So would I risk yeah. going back there again for this vac with this vaccine? I just wouldn't. Um, I think, again, with your experience of having the vaccines, it totally makes sense. But my recommendation would be, please don't get it naturally. You know, do everything you can to even prevent yourself from getting it. And the one thing that you guys haven't seen, unfortunately, I think Jacqueline and I have seen it. The death that comes with COVID, it's not a romantic death. It's not noble. It's a miserable, gruesome death. And all you can do, not for hours, but for days and weeks, is to sit there and tell every single person that comes into your room, help me, help me, I can't breathe. 
for weeks and weeks. This virus pushes you so far beyond your limit that you give up. You give up on the one thing that I can't give you medication for. Right. Hope. You give up hope. And your soul gives up the will to live, the will to fight. And I think that's the hardest part to explain to people that... No, this guy's actually a medical doctor. Young, I didn't know that. But the problem is this Or at least he's talking like he is. One. ...needs you to spread. And when it spreads, it lands on someone, someone named Daniel, who at 59 loses his life and doesn't get to attend his daughter's wedding, doesn't get to walk her down the aisle. It lands on someone, Evaristo, who's a 61-year-old guy, healthy. His only problem was he went to work at Whole Foods and he checked people's temperature. And when he finally died, his thigh was the size of my wrist. No matter what I did, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't help him. And um, I've had patients where they had it and, you know, they're like, well, I had it. It wasn't bad. And they went to see their, you know, their relative and their relative ends up, you know, on life support. So I think that's why it's so important to get vaccinated is it's not for yourself. It's for the people that you don't know, but you're going to come into contact with and you're going to help this virus spread. But isn't that under the assumption that the vaccination itself somehow stops you from getting COVID and that's not true? The vaccination, actually, both the Pfizer and the Moderna are very successful. At oh, 94%. Can you still get it? Yes. I have had patients that have had their series of vaccines and even two weeks later, they still get the virus. But even when you get it, it's not as severe. You don't need to get hospitalized. And again, if we can break the cycle where there's less people for this virus to spread, that's what we're looking for in the vaccination. So I guess with me on that, um, if we're talking about the uh, mortality rate is, is uh, 0.3%, 0.03%, you know, for who were dying, the survival rate is 99.97. The death rate is higher yeah, than it's point. It's one to two percent, actually, the death rate. One to two percent? So if the survival rate is 99.97, how is the death rate? It's not 99.97. Case fatality rates are about, in the in states, is about one percent. Yeah. I didn't think it was yeah, even a percentage 1. point. What doesn't add up is to take that foreign entity that has so many other things that can affect my body in a negative way that I don't need to put in myself. So I think a lot of people get this, get this twisted. They think that, like, the fatality rate means what percentage of society died from it but the fatality rate is what percentage of people that get it die from it and i think people don't and i mean it's fucking not everybody's job to be a statistician but the, the fatality rate is what percentage of people that get it die from it for what i'm looking at is the percentage of those that when they do get it this is who may go so i see covid patients every day at work surviving is different from thriving i see patients all the time that can't even breathe on their own the rest of their life they have to be on oxygen sure they didn't die but now they can't walk up the stairs without feeling shortness of breath how many is that it's about it's still 30 about 30 percent and those are not even hospitalized patients so even mm -hmm. people who had mild illness mm -hmm. They develop long hours. Yeah. 30%? Yeah, up to 30%. <laughs> I saw all the different age ranges in my house and nobody has anything after. It affects people it. in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. And, I'm, and it's not to take away like, man, that, that's terrible. But what it can do adversely to me and to others, it's going to be impossible to approach it from your perspective because I'm not seeing those patients, right? All the things you guys are saying. Wait, I wait, that's the point. Yeah, it's going to be impossible for you to approach it from that perspective because you're not seeing patients. So this is maybe, maybe take a listen to what the guy's saying. The, pre, the person who's seen some patients. I mean, his view is going to be a little bit skewed too, but like, take a listen to him. Like what's he, he, he knows more about this than you do. 
false at all. You're, right. That's your experience. Right. But I also know it's like, I told you, I'm going out week in and week out, seeing those old people for six, seven months and we're laughing, partying, dancing together consistently. I can't just shut that off and go, well, the Times said this and then CNN said this and only the people in the front lines right when those are dying said this. So that means that's the only truth. I mean, you can hear the frustration. You know, it's just a lot of political nonsense going on. They're not telling us what the vaccine is made out of. You know, they're not. The, this is incorrect. The ingredient list is published. I mean, you're not going to understand. I don't understand the ingredient list, but that like it's published. They're hand about it on Twitter. People, you know, sitting in bed, you know, can't get out because they got a, you know, their body hurt. So for me, it's just like, what is the line about? What was the political agenda about? I d it makes you not trust. Yeah, no, I hear you. you know? I hear you. And I think. Um, what's always attracted me to medicine, you have to make your decisions based on facts. Mm -hmm. Not fear, not speculation, yeah. not political agendas. But the truth of it was, when this started in March, a lot of my friends started asking me because they said, oh, there's going to be a vaccine. And I'm like, there's going to be a vaccine? It's going to take at least two years. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. The earliest that we had developed a vaccine before was four years. But then in the summertime, it actually went through phase one and phase two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it went into started getting phase three. And the reason why it was actually able to get done within a year period is because one, they cut all the red tape because there's a lot yeah. of bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then there was also a tremendous amount of collaboration yep. right. between countries. So I posted when I got my vaccine in December. And some of my friends called me and they're like, you said it wasn't going to be available. And you said also, when it becomes available, you're going to wait three to six months to get it. Mm -hmm. what, what made you change your mind? I said, listen, over this past year, I have seen what this virus can do to people. The reason why you don't know the side effects is because it is a not fully FDA approved vaccination, mm -hmm. right? You're putting your faith into something because you know and have trusted a variety of other vaccinations over the course of the years. And you know and you trust the steps and the stages that these different companies went through in order to... Oh, it's not just the companies. That's the, the she's, she's making a big mistake here telling them to trust the companies not just the companies that tested this this was, this was uh there were corporations that were testing it sure but there were also like universities there were public um public yeah universities both public and private were testing it and uh, non-governmental agents ngos were testing it like all different kinds of groups were testing this that's what i would tell them all over the world rampant over the the world i think one of the things that really hasn't been publicized is the quote-unquote side effects. The vaccine, the Pfizer and the Moderna are two shots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the first shot is just to get your immune system kind of used to it, and the second shot is a booster. So the symptoms that you get, the headache, the body aches, the low-grade fever, that's actually not a side effect, that's your immune system working, and they go away. I understand that you, know, you had a horrible response and it was much more severe, but for the vast majority of people, we've already vaccinated over 100 million people across the globe. So I think if there was anything more serious, it would have come out. Well, then there's, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen videos and there are people who are mm -hmm. saying, I'm a nurse, I did this, now the side of their face is flat, or they're shaking all day. When you see and you look up and you're online and that information, that stuff gets censored and taken off YouTube, taken off Instagram, taken off Facebook. Like, it, it, then it, it raises that, if you look at like Tuskegee experiment, they sat there and shot up a bunch of black men with tuberculosis, or with um, syphilis. Right, or syphilis, sorry. Syphilis. They didn't say anything, mm -hmm. and they've been doing this consistently. We can talk about like- Smallpox blankets. Right, and it, it's like, we've seen what they've done, and then when you see people get censored for having a different opinion on this stuff, over the last 10 months, it makes it that much harder that when they say take the vaccination, <laughs> I'd be damned to listen to them.
I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm not saying you're a liar. But I'm like, you're also saying the same thing. The same people who I've seen show us get shot on TV like it's a it's a sport. Right. Like, what is that doing to the psyche of our country? It's still coming from these people yeah. or from a group that you go. You don't have confidence right. in that. You know? And I think that's the biggest issue is the lack of transparency and trust, right? I don't think they're doing it anymore, but remember they came out and it was like, oh, we'll pay people $1,500 yeah. to take the vaccine. But isn't this the same government that every time we need a stimulus check, they can't come up with a deal, but you know they're willing to pay for it? Again, it, it just looks fishy. It smells fishy. They're not telling us. Nobody paid anybody $1,500 to get the vaccine. So, let's say everybody got the vaccine. What happens? Do we just go back to work, go back to the gyms, go back to school. Like, unless the vaccine works 100% if we all take it, I mean, what happens? Well, that's the only way it works is if we all take it. <laughs> like, that's what the fuck, dude. That's what a vaccine is. Like, do we go back to normal? Do we still gotta wear the face mask and social distance? Well, like, to continue to wear masks because there are people that aren't going to be vaccinated. Yeah. And there are people that are gonna continue to spread COVID-19 because that's just what viruses do, they spread, and we're not going back to normal. We're going to go to some new variation. We're going to have our own variant of normalcy, yeah, yeah. and we're creating those things right now as we do the process and opening back up. I know that my district is planning to do soft open. You still have to be aware, though, that these kids, they don't have a vaccine, so, you know, my students are coming back into the classroom. Are they going to be passing it to each other? Because guess what? A lot of them I'm have sure. had COVID yeah. over this break. You asked a really good question. This is like, if everyone in America gets vaccinated, does things go back to normal? And I think the honest truth is, we don't know what's gonna happen in six months. Now this one, you know, the mortality rate is like one to 2%, maybe a little bit lower. Right. What if the variants come up to 10%, 15%? Now that's a game changer. What if it gets to be like Ebola, where it kills 40% of the people? This virus is just so tricky, so elusive, it just changes so much. This is an evolving pandemic. It's like nothing that we had ever seen mm -hmm. before. I think they should just be honest. Yeah. yeah. You know, as opposed to saying, well, this is what you need to do so we can open the yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just be honest. The COVID-19 restrictions have been necessary. Well, this looks like it cuts off here. So I thought this was for like from this week and I thought we were going to get kind of more current <clears throat> stuff. That's what happens when I don't watch all the stuff before I, before we do the show. Um, there were a lot, there was a lot of bias there. There, there was a, well, if it's not a hundred percent, we shouldn't do it. That's like, a, they, that, and that's the Nirvana fallacy. And like, we don't really apply that to other things, right? If you, uh, say you go to the, uh, you go to the hospital because you broke your arm, the vast majority of the time they'll set your arm, put it in a cast and you'll be good as new, but there's some, some, sometimes things don't go right and you're not good as new. Does that mean you don't get the cast? I mean, I just like, I, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand it's just the Nirvana fallacy and it's like the, uh, the sort of propaganda, the propaganda complex around the, the vaccine, like played real big into that. And they also just straight up were like lying to people. And the guy kind of, I mean, when he talked about the Tuskegee, Tuskegee experiments, I mean, you know, he has a point. Like, I mean, like when, when black folks, especially black folks in America are like a little more skeptical of the vaccine, I am, uh, I am, uh, you know, try to understand that a little bit more because the history of medicine in the United States hadn't been so kind to black folks. And so, uh, you know, that is where more transparency, uh, is, is important. Um, what I don't understand is like rich white folks not wanting to get it because the medical industry in the United States has been pretty great to rich white folks. <laughs> anyway, up next, we got, a uh, looks like we got you know, a couple, a uh, couple videos here. Uh, just two here. This is a uh, Trump's lawyer. 
Aliza Habba. They had a, um, apparently Team Trump had a, a great day in court on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday or Monday. Don't remember what day this is. Great day in court, though. Uh, Habba, Aline, you were in court today. Tell, tell us how it all went down. Don Jr. was there, I believe, testifying as well. Tell us. Yeah, we had a very strong day today. Uh, there you go. That's us. Um, Don was clear, concise, made it very clear that he relied on uh, professionals. And and uh, I think the testimony speaks for itself, frankly. Uh, he, you know, they did nothing wrong. We know this, Eric. This is not... Uh, a witch hunt that has any meat to it. Most of them are completely nonsensical, as we know, but it was an event for Miss Letitia James to show up and have her press moment, and that's why, you know, this is all happening. Let's just not get it twisted. It's political. You know, I mean, it's political in that the people involved are politicians, but that's like, then, if you think, if you like, if you like, kind of apply that logic, like, I don't know. If you apply that logic, then you can't ever prosecute a politician for anything because then it's political. And that's, that's fucking dumb. So here, this, this one's from CNN. Um, this is, uh, it says Trump may not do well under uh, questioning. I would imagine that that's going to be the case. He's not going to do so well under questioning. He's going to get mad in inflating assets on financial statements. I'm joined now by Jennifer Rogers. She's a former federal prosecutor and a CNN legal analyst. Good to see you, Jennifer. So how important will Trump's testimony be in this case? That's hard to say, Fred. I mean, the judge already has decided on summary judgment that the statements were fraudulent. So the question really is, how much of that can he attribute to Donald Trump? How much can he attribute to the sons and the other defendants here? Uh, how much should he disgorge? How much should he order in terms of damages? And then finally, and this is where the testimony might be the most important, does he actually bar Donald Trump from doing business in the state of New York? That's what the AG's office is seeking. And I think what happens tomorrow on the stand may be uh, a big hint how that goes as to whether the judge will try to order that or not. So singularly, the judge will make that decision in terms of what kind of fine to impose or if indeed uh, uh, Trump and the Trump organization is barred from ever doing business in New York? That's right. So the judge will order how much disgorgement there will be. He will uh, apportion it among the different defendants in the case. There are many defendants in the case. Uh, and then he'll decide whether to bar anyone and if so, whom to bar from doing business in the state of New York. Of course, all of that will be subject to appeal. We already have an appeal on the summary judgment order and the dissolution or the pulling back of the business certificates that the judge ordered there. So all of this is subject to review on appeal. But in the first instance, it will be the decision of the judge who's been overseeing the case. Is it your opinion that uh, Eric and Don Jr.'s testimonies were damaging or no? Well, they were damaging. They could have been worse, of course. They could have admitted, sure, I knew about the wrong valuations, the fraudulent valuations, and purposely signed the certificates anyway. They, of course, didn't admit that. But playing dumb and saying that you know, they didn't really know much of anything and it was all about the accountants is not a good mm -hmm. defense. Yeah, that's not a valid. Yeah, I didn't know that my accountants were breaking the law is, is not a, a valid defense. That is true. So I think that imagine the uh, NYU law professor understands the law. 
a bit boxed in by the documents. There wasn't really a lot of things they could have said to get out of being responsible for it. I don't think what they did on the stand would have helped. And frankly, at times, it seems like they were a bit smug, which I think probably didn't help their cause with the judge either. Well, don't we expect that the former president might handle things the same in the same manner? Well, interestingly, I think this could really be uh, some fireworks tomorrow, Fred. I mean, uh, Donald Trump is famously undisciplined as a speaker. He is furious about this case. Uh, He's been talking, of course, at length about how the judge is out to get him and the AG is out to get him. So the question is, I don't know that he'll just be smug. I mean, he may explode tomorrow. uh, And that, I think, will, of course, uh, damage his case with the judge. Uh, But also, you know, we'll see what uh, the public thinks about that. A big part of uh, the Donald Trump's reactions, I think, is really geared more toward the public than to the case anyway. So we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. Would his attorneys not want him to take the stand? And the issue is, you know, the former president kind of insists. I mean, just as he has insisted on being there every day when he really hasn't had to be. Well, actually, the attorney general is calling him as part of her affirmative case. So he doesn't have a choice here. He's a material witness. And this is a civil case, not a criminal case. So he does have to take the stand. I do think his attorneys would want to keep him off the stand, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, because is undisciplined. There's a lot of cross-examination material that can be used against him. I think in his criminal cases, all of his lawyers will do their best to keep him off the stand. But here they don't really have the choice. So Mm. one question is, if it goes poorly on direct tomorrow with the attorney general staff questioning him, will his lawyers cross-examine him, quote unquote, cross-examine him to try to rehabilitate him in the eyes of the judge? Oh, boy. Um, Most likely there will be some fireworks this week (laughs) starting tomorrow. And it's really weird because I didn't hear much about like his testimony. So it might, I'm guessing he fucking, I'm guessing he fucking behaved himself, honestly, because we would have heard about it if he was, if he wild out on the fucking stand. We, uh, we didn't hear that. Here is, uh, Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba again. Uh, this is, uh, she's on the steps of the courthouse. I believe this is, I believe this is in, uh, Georgia and, uh, so it's a different case. This is, uh, oh, somebody in chat corrected me. Trump isn't testifying until tomorrow. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. Anyway, here's Alina Habba uh, in front of the courthouse, uh, just kind of talking about what happened on, well, that would be uh, Friday in court. She's walking down the stairs here. I guess they decided to include her walking down the stairs in this video. We are now over a month deep into the biggest waste of New York taxpayer dollars I've ever seen. President Trump's statement of financial condition was so undervalued. But Letitia James, as you've seen, will show up when it's a press day. I said it yesterday on the news. She hasn't been here for days, but you know when she's going to come? When the main event's here, and that is Trump. She piggybacked on Trump to get into office. She didn't do it well enough to be a governor. She was a failed gubernatorial candidate. And now she's working on her politics again. She shows up, sits in the back when she should be doing real work because the city of New York has fallen apart. If you are a business in New York, pay attention. 
You put your value. If President Trump wanted to inflate his net worth on a statement of financial condition, his brand alone could double, triple it. It's basic. It's basic. This is a waste of time. We heard testimony from an expert this week. Miss James wasn't here for that day because it wasn't good for her. He's been paid by New York taxpayer dollars $450,000 in the past few months to come here and testify. That's your money. That's not my money. It is a crime. And now these children are being brought in away from their families. His children, these aren't children, these are adults. These kids, his kids are like my age. For doing nothing wrong. It's a great company. It has always been a great company. It's worth a lot more than the statements say, and she just doesn't like it. And now her politics don't allow her to back off or back down. And it's unfortunate. But this case should be done. We are wasting our time. Thank you. Calling, calling Trump's sons and daughter children is... Uh, dishonest they're not children these people are adults i don't know what do you mean children how old is ivanka she's like 40 it's crazy it's crazy and she's like i don't know if she's she's probably not really helping the case much by like going out there and doing that who fucking knows though anyway i found this i thought this was pretty funny here's what's really going on in, in at the trial just just so you know This is the defendant, Don Jr. He's here to show his father that he's a man who can ride the subway all by himself. He's accused of real estate fraud and hunting house cats without a license. This is also the defendant, Eric. He claims his family is allowed to break the law because his daddy's name is on buildings. He's accused of real estate fraud and eating glue. <laughs> what you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual idiots with a case pending in the New York Metropolitan Area Court. The People's Court. So I thought that was pretty funny. Whoever did that is uh, definitely pretty creative. So uh, up next, we got uh, this, uh, this, this uh, the former guy, actually, and he's uh, giving a speech in Houston, Texas, and he has something to say about the J6 defendants. Uh, he has a he doesn't like the way that they've been characterized, and he's gonna he's gonna tell you what he thinks. Well, thank you very much. And you know what that was? That was, I call them the J6 hostages, not prisoners. I call them the hostages, what's happened. And it's a shame. And, you know, they did that and they asked me whether or not I would partake and do the beautiful words. And I said, yes, I would. I would do the beautiful words. The spirit, the, uh, the spirit was incredible. Will you do the beautiful words? Yes, I'll do the beautiful words. They're the most beautiful words. I will do the beautiful words. What an idiot. I don't know if they're, they're not hostages. They've, a lot of them have been convicted. Like in a, they've been convicted in a court of law. So they're not hostages. They're convicts. I'm not big on the carceral state or whatever. And I think some of the, maybe some of the, some of the sentences were unduly harsh for some of the people, not for others. But that's the way it all shakes out when you end up dealing with the justice system. 
it's sometimes it's sometimes you get a fair shake sometimes you don't it's fucked up um maybe, maybe they can fix that so up next we got governor ron desantis went on to press the meat and uh didn't go so well for him actually i'm sorry when i meet the press my, my mistake Response. Well, let me ask you about some of the statements that you've made recently about those protesters. This week, you called for the banning of pro-Palestinian groups from Florida state colleges. Your Republican challenger, Vivek Ramaswamy, says that violates the First Amendment rights of these students. He writes, quote, it's a shameful political ploy. It's unconstitutional. It's utter hypocrisy for someone who railed against left-wing cancel culture. What is your response to Mr. Ramaswamy? This is not cancel culture. Uh, this group, they themselves said in the aftermath of the Hamas attack that they don't just stand in solidarity, that they are part uh, of this Hamas movement. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, you have a right to go out and demonstrate, but you can't provide material support to terrorism. They've linked themselves to Hamas. And so we absolutely decertified them. Uh, they should not get one red cent of taxpayer dollars. Uh, and we also have strong laws in Florida against fundraising for groups like Hamas. And we are enforcing those vigorously. It's not a First Amendment issue. That's a material support to terrorism issue. Yeah, just to be clear, you're citing the Florida law that says one cannot give material aid or resources to a terrorist organization. Do you have any support that they're actually doing that? Their own words are saying they're part of this organization, that they don't just stand in solidarity, that they don't just support what they did, but that this is their movement, too. So once you hit your wagon to a group like Hamas, uh, that takes you out of the realm uh, of normal activity. And that's something that, that we're going to take action against. So we believe we're totally justified within the law. Um, and I think things like this have been litigated time and again. But so the answer is no. The answer is no, I can't show that they've given any material support to anyone. I'm just going to call them a terrorist organization and uh, hope that uh, I get away with it. Yeah, uh, this is, I mean, I don't like uh, Vivek Ramaswamy very much, but he is right here. And I think he may only be going after um, DeSantis to score political points. I don't think he cares that much about the student protesters, but it doesn't mean he's not, doesn't mean he's wrong. So here's, here's more of that taken into account but if you can't conduct yourself in terms of mental illness shouldn't there be a law in this case officials in maine are saying a red flag law could have made a difference it would have empowered authorities to raise that red light to gun sellers all across the state and say this is someone who should not be able to own a gun that that final line of defense never kicked in because it didn't exist governor well, no, when you do background checks, if somebody has a criminal conviction, for example, that goes into the system. When the they Maine run doesn't a background have strong check, background that is what check. they're checking. Against. Maine doesn't have strong background checks. No. Are you arguing for it, that? It's no. Every. Every federal, every federal, there, uh, this is a fe federal firearm licenses. When you have to do, you everyone has to go through where they where they scrub this. So the question is, is what are you putting into the system? If somebody has a mental health involuntary commitment, then that can simply be put into the existing mm -hmm. system. You don't need additional uh, things. And here's the problem I have with with some of the proposals that have been done, and particularly in some of the more blue states, is that will be weaponized uh, against people that the government doesn't like. 
like? I mean, you have a situation where someone can just make an anonymous call into uh, a police station, let's say, say so, say something bad about someone. But that and anonymous then they come call could have take, helped in this firearms. moment. Could it not have, Governor? Could an anonymous call have helped in this moment to block this shooter from getting a gun and going into these establishments and shooting up eight? The other thing that's going on here is a lot of this isn't anonymous calls. A lot of times, like if somebody's like, uh-oh, this person's got some problems, it's like family or close friends or whatever who, who makes these makes these calls and uh, makes these reports citizens and he could have had that involuntary commitment just put into the normal system that is something that that would have been able to to pop on the on a background check to then say that people should just be able to find governor how can you commit someone you can't find when you have an involuntary commitment uh that triggers uh, 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 things to go into a background check system. So, so that should have been enough if those, if that information was put into it. So that's what I would do. I would focus on on those individuals who've actually gone and either been involuntary committed, been adjudicated uh, to be meant to be mentally ill. That that's really. But that's not that's that's a pretty that's a pretty high standard and like it's actually pretty hard to get someone involuntarily committed as well it should be when you consider like the history of you know the insane asylums uh, in in the past in the united states that can't possibly be the standard if we're going to try to do something to prevent this stuff when people are like in a bad place or whatever i don't know i mean the united states isn't going to do anything on this other countries have got this figured out they just make it hard to get a gun here in America, we're not going to do that. So I don't know why. I don't know why somebody like DeSantis doesn't just say, "Well, we're not just we're just not going to do it," which is what he means, I think. Anyway, here's the last clip of his interview from uh, Press the Meat. You can look, you know, in Florida, uh, our crime rates at a 50-year low, and our violent crime rates down 30 percent uh, since I've been governor. So, so we're handling it strong. Governor, actually, statistically speaking, the CDC says that the firearm mortality rate is actually higher under your administration than it was under your predecessor's administration. But I do want to move on to the campaign the, and just the what mortality your, rate? No, no, the firearm mortality rate. Well, I don't. But I, was actually no, higher that, well, under first your of all, administration I mean, we, than your predecessors. We, that's according to the CDC. Let me because, move on to the campaign, Governor. Well, right. Be, because of well, because you had COVID and all that stuff, excess mortality. Is that what you're saying? That went up everywhere. No, he. She said firearm mortality. On no, our excess firearm mortality, mortality went up rate, less governor, the than mortality. anybody. The firearm mortality rate. Let me move on well, though to uh, the campaign because I want to respond. That's you know what that, like he he didn't want to talk about that, so he started talking over her and then couldn't hear. Um, basically, so that it was hard for her to hard for her to finish what she was saying. So I don't know who we're, this is. This is a this is a uniquely American problem, and we're never going to do anything about it. I think I wish more people would just like talk about it in that way because that's what's going to happen. Nothing, nothing is what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't have the fucking answers, but this is a uniquely American problem, and it's never going to get fixed. Up next, we got um, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson on Fox News being pressed by a, a ho the host of Fox News Sunday on uh, birth control, of all things. Okay, uh, I want to talk about some social issues. You've got a lot of critics who say that you are wildly out of step with the American people. Let's talk abortion first. One of the groups opposing you says this. He wants a total abortion ban with no exceptions. He supported bans that would not only criminalize abortion, but ban IVF treatments 
and common forms of birth control and that you voted against access to contraception. Where are you on these issues? Is that an accurate assessment of where you are? Because that's not in step with the American people. No, Shannon, look, I'm, I'm pro-life. I've, I've said very clearly, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I believe in the sanctity of every single human life. So I come to Congress with deep, personally held convictions. But guess what? So do my 434 other colleagues in the House. Everyone comes to Congress with their deeply held convictions. But the process here is that you make law by consensus. And I've not brought forward any measure uh, to, to address any of those issues. Right now, our priorities are funding the government, handling these, these massive national security uh, priorities that we have in, in crises around the globe, and, and taking care of changing and reforming how Congress works. That's what we're going to do. Listen, I, prior to uh, the modern time, I mean, until recently, actually, almost all of our nation's leaders openly acknowledged that they were also Bible-believing Christians. Uh, I mean, this is not a, 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 a something that should cause great unrest, okay? It's just that Washington, right now, what you're seeing, Washington and the Associated Press Corps are engaging with a leader who openly acknowledges faith and and, and the, the foundational principles of our, our country. Okay, I think this is a healthy discussion, but it, it doesn't affect how we run Congress. To be clear, though, have you voted against fertility treatments and access to contraception? Would you? I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure what they're talking about. I, I really don't remember any but, of those But measures, do you oppose anything I am personally pro-life, yeah. No, no, of course not. I, no, that, that's uh, something that's blessed a lot of families who have, have uh, problems with fertility. Of course that's a great thing. Um, I would support that. But look, again, these are not issues that are on the, the front of the agenda, and um, we can come with our convictions, and we can govern in an accountable, transparent manner for the American people, and that's what, that's what we're going to do. Okay, so you've talked a lot about your faith. Um Man, that guy's on his talking points, isn't he? He was not answering any of those questions. He just says, oh, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. He was on his fucking talking points. Yeah, even the even the lady from Fox News was like, well, what's going on here? And that's odd that they would cite Emily's list, right? Because Fox News is generally at odds with uh, Emily's list. But the thing is, Fox News is a business, and they they know that this guy's like out of step with the country. Even uh, most, of their, uh, most of their viewers are probably not for placing restrictions on things like contraception. So, you know, it just looks like he's, um, I don't know. He's going to be one of the most unpopular speakers of the house ever. Here's a, uh, here's Mike Johnson's wife, Kelly, uh, talking about how her, um, she had a Christian counseling service and it made some comparisons between bestiality and, uh, homosexuality. And that's, that's not great, but she's not the speaker of the house. So I'm kind of of two minds here. Um, but Kelly, they've also come after you personally, attacked you, your Christian counselor, a woman of God, attacked your profession. Um, what's your response to that? Um, well, you know, I used to be a school teacher and I loved that, but I just felt burdened for so many people and I felt the calling to, to go back to school to become a Christian counselor. And it's because I love people and I want to be able to help them through their times of struggle and suffering. And um, I love what I do. I absolutely love it. As a husband, you know, I'll take any arrows. That's fine. But don't talk about my wife, for goodness sake. She's the kindest, sweetest person in the world. And anybody they interview anywhere at any stage of her life will tell you about this lady 
right here. Oh, I love that. And how are your kids dealing with it all? They're doing pretty well. Um, I think they're also still in shock because it's still so new. But um, they're proud of their dad and, and they're excited. They're excited for what's ahead. Do you believe your husband is here in this role um, for such a time as this, at this particular moment for a reason? I do. I do. I believe that God has placed him here. That's biblical. The Bible says he raises up leaders and he, he brings them down, right? So he, So I believe that God has him here for just this time. So I'm like of two minds here. Uh, one, she's clearly a political person herself, and she uh, ran a, a group that compared uh, you know, homosexuality to like bestiality and was engaged in what, what I believe to be um, conversion therapy. But she's not the Speaker of the House. The thing is, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated, and I, I, I don't know uh, what the answer is here. I do, I do figure that uh, like what she does you know, he's married to her for fuck's sake. Who knows? Maybe they should leave her alone because it just gives him a talking point to be like, well, now you're just going after my wife. And I, I don't know if that's the best thing in the world. Um, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. But I, like I said, I think this guy is going to be one of the most unpopular speakers of the house, like in modern times, if not in American history up next, we got, this is on, um, ABC this week, we got uh, Steve Scalise, and he's asked if the 2020 election was stolen. And if you could imagine this, uh, he's going to maybe not answer. During the campaign, they also say quite explicitly it's going to increase the deficit, but we'll move on uh, r right now. Uh, this week, one of your former colleagues, Congressman Ken Buck, a uh, Republican of Colorado, said he was leaving, uh, retiring from Congress. And here's what he said on his way out. Our nation is on a collision course with reality, and a steadfast commitment to truth, even uncomfortable truths, is the only way forward. Too many Republican leaders are lying to America, claiming that the 2020 election was stolen. He said that you're one of those leaders who hasn't been unequivocal in saying it was a clean election, that Joe Biden did not steal the election. Your response? Well, Ken, I've worked with on a number of issues, including uh, getting spending under control, getting our economy back on track. Uh, he's talked about uh, that 2020 election as well. You and I, have, I think, have talked about that, too. At the end of the day, getting our country back on track is our focus. And that's what we're focused on right now. That's why we're moving bills out of the House to address our open border, which, by the way, you don't see this administration wanting to... Oh, this guy's on his talking points, too. ...terrorist watch list coming across our open border. We want to get our economy moving again by getting energy... He, like, didn't like the question. He's like, I'm going to answer a different one. ...is under control. We just passed a bill Friday that gets no press coverage that stands up to Iran's ability to sell their oil on world markets. They've made $80 billion since Joe Biden took office selling their oil on world markets and then using that money to fund Hamas and other terrorists organizations. We passed a strong bill with a very bipartisan vote Friday to push back and impose tough sanctions so Iran can't keep making that kind of money. Let's make our energy in America, not let Iran and other bad hostile countries uh, get that money. So America is a net exporter of uh, energy. Not that that's a good thing, but it is the case that America is a net exporter of, ener of energy, including uh, oil used to fund terrorism. Those are bills we just passed. That's what our focus has been on, getting our country back on track and supporting our allies and going after our enemies who are emboldened right now by the weakness from this administration. We need stronger action right now. Can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? 
What I've told you is there are states that didn't follow their laws. That is what the state constitution, the U.S. Constitution requires. Uh, you know, I've seen in my own Yeah, like, state. I think, like, the at this point, you, you just need to kick him off. You just cut his mic and kick him off. Be like, all right, later. Where we had to send our elections commissioner to jail years ago for fraud and corruption, and we cleaned up our act in our state. Every state ought to follow the laws that are on their books. That's what the U.S. Constitution says. That's not what I asked. They say, can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? Look, Joe Biden's president. I know you and others want to talk about 2020. We're focused on the future. We've talked about 2020 a lot. We're talking about how to get our country back on track, how to get our economy moving, how to stand up to the bad actors around the world. Xi is not slowing down in China. He's looking at Taiwan. You see what's going on in Russia. You see what Iran is doing to work with Hamas and other terrorist organizations. This administration needs to pick up the pace. Uh, they're not standing up to the bad actors of the around the world. The world they need to. We're passing bills to address this through the House. The Senate needs to take action. The president needs to take action as well. That's what Congressman, we're focused I, on I, in the House. I, I know that Joe Biden is president. I'm asking you a different question. Can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? What I've told you, and you've you've seen this, there are states that didn't follow the laws that are on their books which is what the U.S. Constitution says they have to do. So you, so you just refuse to say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? So you want to keep rehashing 2020. We're talking I just about want an answer to the question, yes or no. Threats to this country. We've asked, look, we've talked about this before, but again, will you acknowledge that there were states that didn't follow the actual state legislative... This is where you say, now I'm conducting this interview and I'm the one asking the questions. If you don't want to answer my questions, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you. Pause on their books, which the U.S. Constitution says they're supposed to do. I know that every that. single I know that every court that looked at whether the election was stolen said it wasn't rejected those claims and I asked you a very very simple question now I've asked it I think the fifth time that you can't appear to answer can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen I told, you, I told stolen? you there were a handful there were a handful of there were a handful of states that didn't follow their laws the rest did the rest followed and again states that Trump won states that Biden won that did follow their laws there were a handful of states that didn't follow the laws that were on the books. They went to secretaries of state to change the rules of the game. And then the voters didn't know what the rules were because ultimately the state laws weren't followed in those states. That's not what the I, U.S. I, Constitution I, says. At some point, we should go back to following the Constitution, George. The, 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 the courts have all followed the Constitution. They all rejected the claims you just made. And I, I just want to say again, for the record. Or they said there was no standing. Say, they, you cannot they say that the 2020 election was not stolen. No yes or no was the 2020 election stolen? What, what I've told you is Joe Biden's the president of the United States, and right now he's failing the country on so many fronts that matter to families. We're talking about what matters to families today. You can keep talking about 2020. I'm talking about what's, what's wrong with our country today, how to fix the problems, how to secure America's border. You don't want to talk about that because Democrat mayors across the country are talking about how broken our border is to the point where people on the terrorist watch list from some of these hostile countries are coming into our country today, not Who? just bringing drugs that are killing young people, uh, but people that actually want to do us harm. And this president won't take action. We've passed legislation to fix this problem, to secure our border. The president doesn't want to negotiate with us or with Democrat mayors who are telling him it's a major problem to big cities like New York that we should all be concerned about. So the president can keep talking about the past. You can. We're going to talk about the future and how to help these families who are struggling across America with high gas prices, high prices when they go to the grocery store, every other problem that they're concerned about, that's what we're focused on in this house. Thanks for your time this morning.
Coming off one ear to the... Yeah, that should have, like, after you ask something a couple times, somebody doesn't answer it. I think, like, you just need to be like, all right, um, bye. Like, you know, it's fucked up, and, like, these people, they do this, like, they want access to these people, right? Like, ABC or whatever wants access to this congressperson, but maybe they don't need access to this congressman, because if he's going to go on there and lie, that's not, like, good for their viewers. It's not, it's not good for anybody. Maybe their advertisers can be like, ah, the advertisers don't care. The advertisers want everybody to buy their products. But I just don't think it's good for their viewers, and it doesn't make any sense to have um, people on there who do this. Up next, apparently, uh, they let George Santos uh, back on TV. And in other outlets reviewed genealogy sites that showed his maternal grandparents were born in Brazil and found no evidence that they ever lived in or fled from Europe. But here's what he told me on Friday. It's true. It's true. Oh, it's true. Uh-huh. I, I took... I, I spent the last 10 months DNA hiring genealogists to actually... Because I don't think there's any... Is there, are there a documentation of this? Oh, that's what I spent the last 10 months doing, putting together. But unfortunately, Ukraine is in the middle of a freaking war. And my grandfather comes from Ukraine. So this is this is the biggest uh, uh, lift that I've had to do my entire life. But that's something I'm going to... I'm going to die. I'm going to prove before I die. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, I never <laughs> said I was Jewish. I would always joke. For years, i say I'm Jew ish i was raised roman catholic i said that in the middle of rjc just last year a year from today just last year uh, in las vegas i joked on the mic said i am after all jewish joking everybody thought it was funny everybody knew what i was everyone clapped and where laughed i was coming from and then for me to sit here and be like wait this is something i've always made very clear i'm catholic come from a jewish family here's my jewish family's history why is this now a problem I'm but not- you just to make clear you've you have documented proof that you're grandparents fled the Holocaust. I am working on finishing getting the last pieces of it, specifically the piece in Brazil where they go to Brazil and then have documents forged so that they can blend in and, and all of that. Mm. And, and once I have everything ready, I will allow the same company I hired to submit the report to the press uh, with glee, because that is going to be that one thing that I'm going to be able to say, I never intended to hurt anybody. I never wanted anybody to feel like I misrepresented myself or my family's heritage. That's But you've I, misrepresented I everything about yourself every single part nearly everything put together that's it that's it like why why would anybody believe a word this guy says like what do you mean he has to prove that there was uh, forged documents in brazil and he'll prove it before he dies that's a crazy thing what do you mean before you die that's gonna be a long time he's not he's not an old guy he's fairly young guy so there's gonna be a little bit of time before this guy passes on he's gonna prove it before he dies he spent the last 10 months tracking this down. You're doing what? Either either it happened or it didn't. I don't know. He's he's crazy. He's fucking crazy. And, um, <clears throat> you know, if this guy was a Democrat and did like one-tenth of what he had done, the, the party would uh, excommunicate him or denounce him or disavow him. But, you know, it is what it is, and he is who he is, and uh, that's where we're at now. Up next, this is from the uh, Florida GOP Freedom Summit. This is uh, Chris Christie getting booed because he doesn't uh, like Donald Trump. What a shock you're for Trump. I'm going to fall over dead. Now look, now look, every one of those boos, every one of those catcalls, every one of those yells will not keep it. Yes, sure. Will not solve one problem we face in this country will not solve, yeah. and will, 
and will not and, and will not make this country better. Your anger, your anger, your anger against the truth is reprehensible. When you think about the problems, when you think about the problems that our country and this world is facing, when you think about that, this type of pettiness, this type of pettiness is beneath, beneath the process of electing a president. No, it's not. Yeah. And, and as people, and as people watch today, as people watch today, if your arguments are so strong, if your arguments are so great and mine are so bad, then just keep quiet. Let me make my awful arguments and then you can just reject them out of hand. But the problem is, the problem is, the problem is you fear the truth. So this guy has no chance of winning and um, he's not, I don't know. He's not even, yeah, he's not a great candidate, not a great guy, but it, I mean, at least somebody's trying to tell these people that like they're full of shit and that, that like them booing and whatever doesn't mean that they're not full of shit. It's just like, it doesn't matter though. Like, especially like at the event he was at, it's like the, it's like the GOP freedom summit. Yeah. They're not like real. They're not like real big on, uh, on making sure they get accurate information there. That's just a, it's like a political rally for the, for the Trump wing of the party. So up next, we got uh, from the from the Daily Show, and uh, this is uh, who? Where are the real uh, military generals? Where are the real ones? Because we've been dealing with a bunch of fake ones, I suppose, for a long time. Trump loves the veterans. Trump all the way. He's got my vote forever. Uh, Trump has called for the execution of General Milley. Does that rub you the wrong way as a veteran? Well, I don't like Milley because uh, he uh, he did the, the Afghanistan thing. Like all these generals are supposed to know what they're doing and it was a complete disaster yeah so you don't trust the generals no i don't what are you most excited to see inside i just want to see him speak see what he has to say about israel um i know joe biden was uh doing a barbecue with his people we sent a fleet of naval ships to israel yes so are you you're against that i am for that oh that's good yeah that's so good. you give biden credit for that that's more the generals making uh making the calls there so. do we trust those generals I don't even know who's in anymore, so I don't care. <laughs> this guy doesn't know anything, but like the thing about this, and it's, I guess it's kind of good to, to do this, but like everybody already knows that these people are fucking deluded. Like what I was saying with the last, um, with the last clip is that like, like just kind of telling these people are just putting on display that they're like deluded and wrong. Isn't, I don't think it's that useful. I don't think it's going to do that much. And uh, it may just serve to piss them off and drive out of uh, drive voters, uh, maybe drive them to the polls when they might otherwise not vote. Who fucking knows? Up next, here's uh, Lindsey Graham. Don't like Lindsey Graham, but a motherfucker has a bit of a point here. The Pentagon has issued a legal opinion I disagree with saying this doesn't violate the Hyde Amendment. I disagree with it. Here's what's going to happen. You've just denied this lady a promotion. You did that. All of us are ready to promote her because she deserves to be promoted. She had nothing to do with this policy. 
let me say it again. Everybody in this body could find an issue with any administration they don't agree with. And what we're going to do is open up Pandora's box. Today is abortion policy. If we take back the White House, we'll go back to the Mexico City policy, limiting dollars to be given to overseas entities that are engaged in the abortion business. Some pro-choice people don't like that. What would happen if they put a hold on all the officers because they don't agree with the Republican administration? There's a reason this, is, this has not been done this way for a couple hundred years. No matter where you believe it or not, Senator Turbeville, this is doing great damage to our military. I don't say that lightly. I've been trying to work with you for nine months. Folks, if this keeps going, people are going to leave. Let me tell you how the system works. You have 18 months, I think, from the time you're promoted to pin on. And if you don't make that gate, your time and grade up or out rule kicks in. There's some people that are waiting to be promoted that if they don't get promoted soon, they're going to be out of the military. Now, how does that help anybody if they're qualified? There's not one senator in here that could not find a reason to object to an administration policy. So, yeah, the military industrial complex gives these people a lot of fucking money and they're going to start to see some of their campaign donations dry up um, because it's not just the, um, you know, the people that are enlisted. This is also fucking shit up on, you know. This fucking shit up for like Lockheed Martin and Halliburton and all these other companies. Not that I like these companies or think that we shouldn't maybe stop giving them so much money or, you know, fuck things up for them or whatever. But like, that's what's going to end up happening here is that these people who are not going to get promoted aren't going to be able to sign contracts and shit. Do the, go do the business of, uh, do the business of basically, uh, welfare for the military industrial complex. And that's, they're going to, those people are going to get mad. And, uh, things are, things are going to get weird if this doesn't get resolved soon. I don't think there's a problem with like military readiness. My God, the United States has just so much goddamn military shit that I don't, that's not a problem. It's just going to piss, you know, uh, in these people's case, the wrong people off considering like their, all their rhetoric about loving the military. Cause it's going to be hard to say that they love the military when they're keeping just like, even just that lady from getting a promotion because they're mad. I don't know who that lady is, but yeah, give her, give her a fucking promotion. I don't give a shit. Anyway, it's about an hour in and, uh, we need a palate cleanser and this is a squirrel going to deliver a palate cleanser. My girl took all my nuts and all my babies. She fought a raccoon, now she's got rabies. But I don't even care that I'm all alone because I got the birds and the bees to treat me at home. You dog's a bitch for trying to bark at me. You couldn't bark if you're born on the side of a tree. Yo. So it's done, baby. Let's go. I love putting nuts up inside my mouth. And when I grab this mic, I'm going to spit them out. What? No. Alvin, cut that part out. Cause I'm feeling like I'm running and I gotta get away and I gotta watch out for the birds of prey cause the hawk and the eagle eat my people. Why is this world so nuts and evil? <laughs> that squirrel was great. If you were uh, listening on the audio only version of the podcast, you should definitely check out the video or in the show notes is the docket. You can check out the video of that, um, of that squirrel. That was pretty great. Up next, we got a, we got a, we have a verdict on the FTX Sam Bankman freed trial and, uh, it is uh, probably what many of you expected. We're going to let the fine folks over at uh, CSN CNBC uh, tell us about it. Sam Bankman-Fried guilty on all seven counts wow. of fraud and conspiracy. Confirmed here, Brian. That is confirmed. Sam Bankman-Fried found guilty in his criminal trial. Fraud and conspiracy. I'll read you the counts here. Count one. 
wire fraud for FTX customers. Guilty of that. Count two, conspiracy to commit wire fraud on FTX customers. Guilty there. Wire fraud here for lenders. Count four mm. is conspiracy to commit wire, wire fraud for lenders. We also here, Brian, have count five, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Guilty on all seven counts there, Brian. That guy's fucked. <clears throat> I don't think, you know, he's going to, he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail. I don't think that he should spend the rest of his life in jail. I don't believe in like life in, like, it's essentially, uh, forever um <clears throat> punishment for finite crimes but that's what's going to happen this guy is going to get fucked because he uh he 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 fucked so many people out of their money and um then he turned around and used the money for like political donations to try to get what he wanted in politics they don't like that the courts do not like that shit and so that guy's like fucked that guy is so fucked um it'll be interesting to see how it plays out maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe he won't spend the rest of his life in prison but i i don't see a way for that not to be the case those are some serious pretty serious uh, uh convictions that carry pretty long sentences so up next we got uh kellyanne conway and i just have no idea i listened to this actually beforehand and i'm like what the hell is she talking about hi ron we're looking at liberal media defend people ripping down uh, hostage posters. Uh, people should know that President Biden said, well, I don't really have confidence in Hamas numbers. And the Washington Post fact checker, Glenn Kessler, said, you know, they, Hamas has a pretty good track record at revealing death tolls, defending them yet again. The New York Times calling this a release valve. That if you're ripping down posters of Israeli hostages, which you correctly point out and must be returned it's a release valve. They're not jogging, boxing, or having a shot of tequila. Right. I mean, so even these subtle phrases that, that somehow mean? pass an editor or two's desk that are somehow reporting facts to the rest of us. And I would like to point out in 2021, he did it the first time, but in 2023 at Howard University, President Joe Biden said that white supremacy is the most dangerous thing in the United States of America. That's what he said. You can't even get John Kirby to say that this is domestic terrorism. People who are ripping... Tearing down a sign is not terrorism. down posters. And I have to say, what's going on right now, the call... It might not even be illegal, depending on where the sign is. Ceasefires, the pro-Hamas sympathies, that's not just young people on college campuses. That's Democrats in the halls of Congress. 18 of them just last Thursday signed a resolution calling for the, quote, immediate de-escalation and ceasefire in Israel and, quote, occupied Palestine. So if you've got 18 Democrats, all of whom are Hispanic and African-American, exactly the kinds of folks that Joe Biden is going to rely upon to help him win again. And they're, they are raging. And the New York Times had a whole article that said young and diverse left rages at Biden. So this is a big problem for the party. I, I appreciate you trying to make it bipartisan. I, I don't it think it, well, I don't think anybody should. I, I think there should be no question. Everybody should condemning what AOC said today. APAC is a terrorist organization crazy. calling That's for like violence. It's bipartisan crazy. organization. That's who goes on trips like with them in D.C. Yeah, APAC is terrorist. Maybe you've gone. I haven't. But we all we all need to know that somehow the media weeks later, Greg, still can't get this yeah. right. They can't figure out. And I think that mainstream media is edging toward immoral clarity on all of this. Yeah, and when you're seeing Jews now in New York protecting the posters, how soon will New York Times call them instigators? <laughs> Up next, a gigantic migrant care. So, um, I don't see how calling for uh, a ceasefire 
and um, a de-escalation in Israel and the occupied territories is bad. I, that's the one thing that during all this that I'm very confused by is that um, that a call for a ceasefire is somehow bad. You, you I, people lose me there because I feel like a ceasefire would be good. <laughs> I feel like that would be uh, less uh, fire, <laughs> less firing, less war. Less less acts of war during this conflict. I think that would be good, and I don't I don't understand where, um, how that's bad to call for a ceasefire. And uh, up next, uh, <clears throat> I don't really care where you land on all this. What you're going to see here is uh, the opposite of journalism. Yesterday, CNN's Jeremy Diamond went into Gaza on an IDF embed. I should note that journalists embedded with the IDF in Gaza operate under the observation of Israeli commanders in the field and are not permitted to move unaccompanied within the Gaza Strip. As a condition to enter Gaza under IDF escort, outlets have to submit all materials and footage to the Israeli military for review prior to publication. CNN has agreed to these terms in order to provide a limited window into Israel's operations in Gaza. You should never agree to those terms. You should never agree to, I will check with you before I report on something I saw. You never, and I don't care. I don't care what's going on. <clears throat> I don't care who you are, or what you think about this conflict. Those are terms that no journalistic organization should ever agree to. Embeds like this are generally a bad idea. And um, nope, nope, just don't do it. Yeah, somebody in chat said North Korea shit. That's sort of when journalists go to report on North Korea. This is uh, what they what they what they do there. Um, I'm not sure it's exactly like a one to one comparison, but it is uh, similar at least. Here's a uh, Glenn Beck. Uh, I guess requesting Israeli citizenship for some fucking reason. I don't know why I was born. Wait a minute. Let's start this over. I don't either, sir. None of us know why we were born. I mean, it was a stork, but. I don't know why I was born, but there is something about the state of Israel that connects deeply to me and standing up this time, as opposed to every other time there has been a program or a Holocaust, 19 Holocausts. All of the programs where they would come in and just it's po po program, not programs. To have the privilege to stand with the Jew is a tremendous honor. Well, Glenn Beck's content has been fairly dog whistly anti-Semitic for quite some time now, which is odd. Spiritually. So I want to read a letter that I wrote that I am sending to the state of Israel. To Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the honorable officials at the state of Israel. I write this to you in a time of profound significance, a moment where history echoes its most harrowing and yet most resilient notes. The present-day world has eerily come to resemble the troubling shadows of the 1930s and 40s where our Jewish brothers and sisters once again bore the weight of unprecedented persecution. The drums of war beat again, and the haunting chants of prejudice against the Jewish people 
have once more risen from hushed murmurs to overt threats. In this moment, I have chosen to ask you for citizenship in the state of Israel. They can have him. Fuck it. They can have him. They can have Glenn Beck. Not that they deserve him. There's fucking you know, good, the good people. The good people who live there don't deserve Glenn Beck either. But it's not like we. It's not like we deserve him or we need him. Um, well, this is all just posturing too, because this guy. I mean, for a very long time, this guy was talking about the New World Order, um, talking about Soros, had charts that were very anti-Semitic with names of a lot of Jewish people on them, etc., etc., etc. This is all on the record. We've been talking about this for years on this program and other people have been talking about it as well. So his, the reason he likes, it's not that he's interested in Jewish people so much as that he likes the far right policies of the Likud party. And that's what he wants. That's what he's about. It's not about any, any uh, love or respect for uh, Jewish folks. And people need to do a better job of uh, separating those two less uh, bad actors like Glenn Beck end up looking like champion champions for people who he has made content against for years that has been very bigoted up next we got a the starbucks logo is lilith or some shit up nope up next actually we got no difference between uh joe biden and adolf hitler i'm getting ahead of myself here Hitler was elected. I mean, you can you can manipulate, you can win over, you can brainwash enough right. people. That's the scary things. Our founders understood that. You know, That's we right. have at least I was going to say Hitler was elected. Biden had to steal the election, but Hitler was actually elected. Right. That's the difference between Biden and Hitler. Only one I can think of. Well, that's crazy. I can think of a lot of differences, but I'm not going to. Eric Metaxas is fucking crazy eric metaxas is a bad person like and they always the, the same fucking people right like they always get mad when we like when like people on their left to their left and of the left even just like liberals like were to call people like metaxas and uh his organization like fa even just calling them like fascist adjacent or a little bit fashy they like clutch their fucking pearls and now he's like well biden's just like hitler and it's like shut the fuck up and we're up next. Now we got Starbucks is uh, the logo's like Lilith or something. And we haven't had uh, a clip from a, a Greg Locke in quite some time. So here's uh, Greg Locke talking about the Starbucks logo. Did you know every single time we do deliverance, especially mass deliverance, we call out a certain demon called Lilith? I'm not tolerating Lilith. So from this day moving forward, Okay? In our office, on this campus, but especially in this tent, I do not want anything that carries the Starbucks logo on this church property. <laughs> I wonder how many people in the audience are like looking at their fucking latte and being like, well, fuck. You hear me? That is Lilith 1000%. I've studied it. It is a demon. It is sexual deviance. I am done with Star. I've been done with Starbucks for a long time. It's communist coffee anyhow. That's because the local Starbucks probably won't, won't let you in anymore. I'm telling you, that company is not only one of the most godless companies on the planet. They are full-blown 
1,000% a witch's coven. I promise you it's the facts. <laughs> I stake my life on it. Starbucks is witchcraft. Oh, here it's funny. <laughs> forgot how, like, some, I mean, I didn't forget, right? But we haven't been doing a lot of Greg Locke lately. I kind of sometimes forget how fucking wild that guy is. First time I saw him, I, I was like, honestly, I was like, why is this gay man doing this? Because I thought he was a little light in his loafers when I first saw him. And um, I was wrong, obviously. I don't think he's gay. I think he's just animated. But, like, what is he talking about, Lilith? Uh, somebody in chat just said they put soy in the milk. That is true. That is true. That is very true. Or you have to ask for it, though. So, who knows? Anyway, here's Hank Kuneman. We don't do a lot of clips of this guy because he's fucking stupid and, like, not that interesting. But I, I do like stories about Baal or Baal. And I like stories about how Halloween is demonic. So, we're going to go ahead and run this one. He's uh, going to rant that Halloween is Baal worship. If you're going to dress your little kids up this week and go out trick-or-treating and you're hanging up your little skeletons and you're hanging up your ghosts He can't even fucking, he can't even get it out. He can't even get his crazy out. It's called Baal worship. You're mixing the things of the occult false worship with Christianity. Oh, then let me do this. Let's just have a harvest party, a substitution for our kids the same night. Well, why in the hell on Resurrection Sunday that the occult don't gather and have an alternative for our resurrection services? Uh, they might. They might have like an anti-Christmas party or some shit. We need to have a distinction. That day is evil. Rather than do something that mimics your day, we're going to counter. We're going to gather our kids with sackcloth and ashes, and we are going to fast and pray. Well, that sucks. You know, it's really crazy, though, in a lot of communities, like in many, many communities, the church puts on a really, really good and wholesome Halloween event for the community, for not just their parishioners, but for uh, people's kids, people who aren't part of the church. All are welcome, and that's that's great because kids fucking love Halloween. And this is just a this is like a loser. Everybody loves Halloween. Everybody loves the haunted houses, the trick or treating, and the candy. It's about the candy for the kids. It's about the candy. Even for the parents, maybe it's about the candy because parents be stealing their kids' candy. Don't don't get it twisted, right? If there's a kid living here, I'd be fucking stealing their candy the day after Halloween. I like candy, but not enough to buy it regularly. <laughs> My God, like it's it's like almost like. I'm not, maybe, maybe this is a little hyperbolic, but I think it may be like almost abusive to like not let your kids participate in Halloween because you're like uh, segregating and separating them from their friends who are doing something fun. And your kids, your kids don't understand that you're just a kook. So they just think that you're like punishing them or something. If you don't let them go do Halloween. Anyway, here's a guy never seen him before. Uh, William Wolf. He says, uh, we are getting, Christians are getting close to taking up arms. Um, this may be the last time we ever see William Wolf. Who knows? Shout out to Right Wing Watch. Cowardly leadership is a curse upon God's people. And the bad news is we are led by cowards. So second point, the curse of cowardly leadership. 
And I want to use this opportunity to share uh, a piece of historical, uh, you know, theological information with you. It's a wonderful sermon I found in preparation of this talk by Samuel Davies. Samuel Davies was an early American Presbyterian minister, and he preached a sermon titled The Curse of Cowardice in 1758. This was during the French and Indian War, and Davies had moved uh, back to Hanover, Virginia, and he was trying to rally the local militia to join in and fight with the British. At that time, they were all still all British uh, against the, the French and against the Indians. And so this is an excerpt from the sermon he preached. So please listen, because this is good. He says, This is not going to be good. When in this corrupt, disordered state of things, where the lusts of men are perpetually embroiling the world with wars and fighting and throwing all into confusion, when ambition and avarice would rob us of our property for which we have toiled, on which we subsist, when they would enslave the freeborn mind and compel us meanly to cringe to usurpation and arbitrary power, when they would tear from our eager grasp the most valuable blessing of heaven, I mean our religion, when they invade our country, formerly the region of tranquility, ravage our frontiers, butcher our fellow subjects, or combine them in barbarous captivity in the dens of savages, when our earthly all is ready to be seized by rapacious hands, and even our eternal all is in danger by the loss of our religion. When this is the case, what is then the will of God? Must peace then be maintained, maintained with our perfidious and cruel invaders, maintained at the expense of property, liberty, life, and everything dear and valuable, maintained when it is in our power to vindicate our right and do ourselves justice is the work of peace then our only business no in such a time even the god of peace proclaims by his providence to arms and if we have ever lived in a point in time in american history since then that we could argue that now is the time to arms again i think we are getting close now, we're getting close. Well, that's crazy. That's fucking just straight up Christian nationalist, like a uh, violent rhetoric. Sets that out and says that it is right, even though as Christians we seek peace, that when the enemy is pressed upon us, if we fail to heed the call to arms, then we are acting as cowards. And he says this. He says, those who act like cowards are ungrateful men who sin against God and his country and deserves the curse of both. Such conduct and such a conjecture, so the conduct of cowardice in the moment of time when the call is to arms is a moral evil, a gross wickedness, and exposes the wretch to the heavy curse of God both in this and the eternal world. So to be ruled by cowards in a time of war is a curse because God hates cowards. Whoa, that was wild, dude. That was like, we're, we're, luckily this stuff is fringe. Like you, you have to keep in mind that this stuff is fringe, that this isn't like most churches are not like this, but this is this, the, the, this stuff is ramping up. Some of these people are really ramping up the rhetoric and it's, it's, it's in an attempt 
to if this eventually the goal has to be to have the government use its uh power to do harm to people who don't uh, believe what these folks believe which is terrifying up next here's eric metaxas again he's going to blame uh mass shootings on uh demonic activity let's talk here about what nobody else is going to talk about you're hearing voices. We say that's a mental health issue. Probably that's demonic activity. What is the difference between America today and before we had all these mass killings? Is it the number of guns? No, no, not even close. There was a time in America where every single person had a gun. Every family had a gun. I don't know if that's true, if there was a time where everyone had a gun. We have mass shootings then. Was it because of the guns? Obviously not obviously something has happened in america that has nothing to do with guns and has everything to do with the spiritual state of the nation with a level of lawlessness with a level of demonic activity now they're not going to talk about that in the mainstream media they're not going to talk about that on fox news they're not going to get into those conversations because they just say it's a mental health issue well the fact of the matter is We've always had mental health issues. We've always had guns. What is different today? What is different today is there is darkness, satanic darkness that has come into America. We don't value life. We don't talk about God. We don't talk about those kinds of things. That's the difference. Um, well, that's weird. Do other countries that don't have this problem all talk about God all the fucking time? Do they value life more than we do? I don't understand. I mean, this is just, again, it's just like a Christian nationalist rhetoric, right? Where it's like, well, we need God because, and that's where I lose the thread, actually. I don't know if there's polling on this, but I'm not sure that uh, non-believer, I think there, it, would be, it would be hard to get me to believe that non-believers are more likely to commit gun, to do gun violence than people who are believers. I bet it just tracks with like proportionally uh, throughout society. If, if anything. So just it's these people are just fucking crazy. Up next, I got I just put where I come from. This is called lying. I was in the LGBTQ plus community for 10 plus years of my life. But then I came face to face with Jesus. He was like, Roderick, you either put me first or that thing. You can't serve two masters. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot out the world. You can't be like that. And I was like, but, but Jesus, I, I, I just want love. Oh, I'm glad that you said that because I got overwhelming love. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, but Jesus, Jesus, I, I just want to be satisfied. Friend, you're just gay. But, well, Roderick, I'm glad that you said that because I'm the living water who can quench your thirst. I'm like, I'm like, but, but Jesus... I just want to feel like I belong. I, I want a home. Well, Roderick, I'm preparing a home for you with me for all of eternity. I'm like, but Jesus, I, I just want life. Well, Roderick, guess what? I am the bread of life. And the same response that he gave back to me is the same response that he's giving back to you. Yeah, that guy's either either A, wasn't um, uh, gay, or B, still still is or bisexual or he said part of the lgbtq community so i don't know what what he means by that necessarily um but 
who fucking knows? It's just weird. It's just weird. I don't understand. I wish we're, I wish like, and I think most churches are actually kind of over it. They're not doing this anymore. Again, I want to, want to be pretty clear here. The most churches in the United States are actually pretty cool fucking places with pretty cool fucking people. Um, and that's good. But this guy, I don't know. Something he said something about, Oh, you either need me or that thing. What was it? Was that thing he was talking when he said that thing? Was he talking about Dick? <laughs> was he talking about a Dick? Who knows? Anyway, I hope that guy, uh, gets out of whatever weird cult he's in and just fucking goes, goes about his business being gay or bisexual or whatever. Cause that's totally fine. So we're going to end this. We watched this, uh, during the post game on Wednesday, but it had, we had to get this into one of the podcasts. One of the things that goes out on Spotify or, uh, you are, um, you know, Apple podcasts or whatever. Um, we're not going to watch the whole thing. Here's a clip from Twitter. This is the, uh, this is a Jordan Peterson's, uh, uh, postmodernist or anti-postmodernist, uh, song or whatever. <laughs> I think, or whatever might be the, the accurate part here. Richard Rorty. Richard Rorty. Is truly not helpful. Is truly not helpful. <laughs> With his assurance, nothing's real. Call me pig. With his assurance, nothing's real. What of hunger? What? What of hunger? Mr. Skeptic. Mr. Skeptic. When a child lacks a meal. When a child lacks a Well, that was enough of that. Um, I can't believe that we played it not once, but twice on this channel, but I had to get that out there. Um, and, uh, this, everybody make sure you're checking out the intellectual dollar tree as well as this podcast. And that's the end of the regular docket for this week. We are going to go into red light. Uh, thanks for checking out the show. If you're still listening on the podcast, make sure you're following us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash echoplex media, and check out our website, echoplexmedia.com. Uh, the defamation times, which is my blog is there and there's ways to support this project there. I'm going to change the color of the lights in this room and change the content of my beverage. We're going to come back with the red light. This is Boomers by Periscope. I'll see everybody in a couple minutes.
can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live, then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.